ABS Media Papa Hotel Lima Echo November Radio Check. Papa Echo November, good afternoon, uh, Radio 5. Good afternoon, Radio 5 as well, Papa Echo November. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Excellent nation, my guest this hour is Richard Chu. He is an author, ordained deacon, and hospital chaplain in the Archdiocese of New York, stress management consultant, and caregiver. He provides pastoral counseling at Bellevue Hospital, the visiting nurse service, inpatient hospice, and other New York City medical facilities. Uh, he formerly was a neuropsychologist and emergency medical technician, an undergraduate research fellow at the Embryology at Stanford University, he received a Bachelor of Arts degree in Biological Sciences and a Master of Arts in Biology and a specialization in Endocrinology at the University of Oregon. He received an MBA at Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern University. And he and his wife live in New York City and have five grandchildren. He's the author of a fascinating new book, Living Well with Chronic Illness, A Practical and Spiritual Guide. Joining me now from New York City is Richard Chu. And Richard, welcome to the X-Zone. Well, thank you very much for having you on, me on your show. Richard, it's a great pleasure talking to you. Um, I can't say enough wonderful things about the people who dedicate their lives to helping other people. And when it comes to chronic illnesses and the spiritual guidance. God bless you for all the great things that you and the other caregivers do. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's really not a burden, it's a gift. 
You know, I, I have the pleasure of knowing many members of the medical community. My wife is a nurse, and um, it's it it takes a special person to do what you and other members of the medical community do, especially when it gets to a certain point in someone's life when they are chronically ill, and the door to the next level of our spiritual our spirituality and our next existence is so close. So over the next hour, I'd, I'm looking forward to talking to you about your new book, Living Well with Chronic Illness, A Practical and Spiritual Guide, and sharing your experiences and hearing some of the stories that, that very few people on the outside actually get to hear. Richard, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back. Exonation, Richard Chu is my special guest this hour. We're talking about Richard's new book entitled Living Well with Chronic Illness, A Practical and Spiritual Guide. And his website is www.chroniclivingwell.com. That's www.chroniclivingwell.com. And Richard Chu and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. ExxonRadioTV.com. And of course, you can listen to the Exxon Radio Show 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year at www.exxonradiotv.com forward slash live htm. And in the next couple of days, I have some exciting news about some new networks around the world that the Exxon is going to be part of. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Explanation, uh, Richard Chu is my special guest this hour, and we're talking about Richard's new book. It's a book that, that you know, is, is, is there to help out, and uh, once again, the name of his book is, do you have your pen and pencils ready? You do? That's great. It's Living Well with Chronic Illness, 
a practical and spiritual guide. His website is www.chroniclivingwell.com. Richard, what are some of the key problems for those living with a chronic illness in today's society? I think the first problem is the diagnosis. When they're struck with that diagnosis, Mm -hmm. it releases a flood of negative emotions. And these negative emotions can just stop them, paralyze them where they are, and as a result of that, it's like having a shroud put over their head, or they look back at their previous life and say, oh, what I've lost. And the kind of negative things are fear, anxiety, anger, and especially grief. That grief is very mm. special. Do some patients actually feel as if, they, if they're part or they've now entered a, a social isolation and that they've actually been removed from mainstream society? It's not so much they feel it. It's just that it's a natural process by which people don't like to be around sick people. Uh, especially chronically ill people. Why is because that? It reminds each of, that's because it reminds each of us when we're around someone sick who's chronically ill, it reminds us of our mortality. Mm. And we really don't want to deal with that issue. Is that a problem in our society? Because in other societies, they, they, they take care of their elderly and they're sick because they respect and understand the wealth of information and what these people have contributed to their lives. Um, not, that's, that's true if they, the elder folks are just aging naturally. But when they have a severe mm-hmm. disease, um, uh, especially, for instance, I just spoke to him about someone from Africa. I know of you know, my background, uh, even though we're Americans here for 180 years, our background is Chinese-American. Many countries, as soon as they have a patient who's chronically ill, they shun them, they wow. isolate them, they don't want to be dealing with them. You know, my grandmother, God rest her soul, died of generalized cancer, and she was 54 years of age. She was diagnosed in September. She passed away in January of the same year. As soon as we could get my grandmother out of the hospital and back home, we did. We, the last thing we wanted to do was to shun her away. We wanted her to be part of the family as long as we could keep her with us. Have things changed so drastically in today's society over the last 40 years that we're looking at people who have chronic illnesses as, well, let's take them into the middle of the woods and leave them there? Yes, there is, you know, uh, in England... I forget how many years ago, how many decades ago, mm-hmm. was beginning the hospice process, which is really a wonderful thing. But unfortunately, it's become politicized, oh, um, this whole issue. Hospice, I've been working in hospice for six years. It's a blessing for me to be working with the hospice patients because the idea of there is to give them quality care mm-hmm. in their final days, not treatment, because they've reached a point where there is no treatment. They're not coming back, but to give them peace and quiet, yet they're conscious and can be with their families and can say their goodbyes and do things like that. Uh, Hospice is a wonderful place. I have to ask you the question, why won't families bring these people into their homes? I think there's so many various reasons. Um, People get... I was an EMT for 12 Mm -hmm. years, and on the street, 
um, what I found was that they would have DNRs, that's called do not resuscitate yeah. information. It'd be above, you're supposed to put it above the patient so we'd see when we come in and see the patient. And the family would panic as the patient starts to die because they're not familiar with the sounds and motions of what's going on. No one's prepared them. Mm-hmm. And they panic and they call you. And once we get there, by law, we have to go, we have to do something. We have to try to resuscitate this dying patient, which is not the right thing to do, but by law, we have to go to work. And I think um, there's a lack of information on how good hospice can be to take them to the final days where the family and the patient and friends are at ease. What inspired you to write your book? Well, there are really two um, separate events. One was um, our son and his, and his wife, our daughter-in-law, uh, she was pregnant, and they left New Jersey to go, both of them were getting new jobs as managers uh, in California. Mm-hmm. And they arrived, the baby was delivered, they didn't have a chance to join the parish. And uh, they said, well, we should bring the baby to daycare. And they took the baby, she brought the baby in at daycare at 9 o'clock for a trial run. She came back at noon and the baby was dead. Oh, my God. From sudden infant death syndrome. Uh, and suddenly, uh, I'm flying out to California with my wife and becoming the family counselor. Uh, then her, the, uh, my daughter-in-law's pastor from Indiana flew out. Mm-hmm. We did the funeral service together. He leaves me. The next day, I'm doing an internment, the burial by myself. And thank God the parish is sending me uh, information by fax. Um, and when I got home to my parish in New Jersey, my pastor said, what you've been doing is what deacons do. I'd like to sponsor you. And eventually, I became an ordained deacon. Uh, the second event was, of course, as I may have mentioned, is that I'm the caregiver of my wife for the past nine years. She has a deteriorating uh, uh, neurological disease. I'm sorry. And so I'm with it every day, and I do midnight to 8 a.m. every day, uh, and then go to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a live-in nurse who handles the other hours. So uh, I'm very familiar with chronic illness uh, in the hospital, at home. Uh, I understand that it's, it's not constant. Every day is different. How are your duties as a hospital chaplain at Bellevue Hospital in New York City reflected in Living Well with Chronic Illnesses, your book? Well, Bellevue is the flagship of the New York public uh, hospital system. It's 855 beds, five ERs, a prison, a school, Mm -hmm. uh, daycare, um, 500 uh, emergency room visits a day, uh, plus a hospice. And those are all mine on Fridays when I'm the duty chaplain. I see every aspect of life from the time they come in as a trauma to the time when I say a prayer for them and they leave this world. Those experiences have given me insight into, and I work with patients. Mm -hmm. I work with several hundred patients a year, and it's given me insight into what works and what doesn't work, what's helpful for them, uh, and I try to put that into my book. What are some of the statistics that uh, we're dealing with when it comes to this uh, perfect health care storm that we're all facing? Well, you know, uh, chronic illness is the illness of the 21st century. Acute illnesses, those are things that can be cured mostly by antibiotics, and so were the problem of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So in the 21st century, in the United States, 45% of the population has a chronic illness, and of 30, that, 33 million are handicapped. That's 45% of the population now. By 2030, more than half the American population will have a chronic illness. 
Then you have the baby boomers coming in, in the United States at a rate of 10,000 per day who are becoming seniors. And 90% of them have at least one chronic illness. So we have a generation of baby boomers who are not as healthy as their parents. We have these large numbers, and then we have uh, what we uh, familiarly call Obamacare mm-hmm. becoming active in 2014, bringing in millions of people into the health care system uh, for a system that's designed for acute illness and not chronic illness. And the last part of this perfect storm is we don't have enough doctors. We have a shortage of primary care doctors. Uh, they, the numbers I got are 15,000 15, doctors were short in the primary care area. So all these things come together, make it imperative that patients take responsibility for their health care. It sounds as if we're a broken society. Well, we need, you know, the 20th century, they fixed what was wrong with the previous century. It's going to take a while to get this one fixed. There's smart people down there. They'll work it out. But if you're chronically ill now, Mm -hmm. you need to take care of yourself now. But I, I understand what you're saying, but we're, we've got more and more people coming into the area that is going to require the, the medical attention, and there are, there are not enough doctors, there's not enough money, there's not enough expertise, there's the, you know, the pharmaceutical company is taking everybody to the cleaners, the insurance companies, like, this is a nightmare. I, I, it's, I, I think it's even worse than a perfect storm. You're probably right. I'm trying to look at it positively in terms of the patient, Mm -hmm. if the patient will use the suggestions we have in the book, which are based on very practical experiences, my 10 years as a caregiver, you know, and and these things will help the patient take control. Maybe I can give you an example of what I mean. All right, why don't we do this? I've got to take take my news break in about uh, a minute from now. So why don't we do a bit of a cliffhanger? We'll uh, get into some of the suggestions when we come back from the news. How does that sound, Richard? That sounds excellent. All right. Thank you very much for joining us, Richard. Richard Chu is our very special guest for this hour, Exxon Nation. He's the author of Living Well with Chronic Illness. His website, www.chroniclivingwell.com. And his book is available online at Amazon.com and book stores everywhere. 1-800-610-7035. Worldwide toll-free is our number here at the Exxon. My email address is exxon.exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And of course, our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Don't forget, you can always listen to the Exxon Podcast for the last 90 days at exxonepodcast.com. And of course, the Exxon Podcasts are available at Apple iTunes. My name is Rob McConnell. Richard Chu is our special guest. We'll both be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away.
You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. .exoneradiotv.com I believe it's meant to Exonation. Uh, Richard Chu is my special guest this hour here in the Exxon. He's the author of Living Well with Chronic Illness, a practical and spiritual guide. His website is www.chroniclivingwell.com. Richard, what are some of the suggestions that you can share with our listening audience that can be found in your book? Well, I think the first thing is to deal with the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the diagnosis has a shock effect. Uh, similar to being wounded on the battlefield. So I like to refer to patients as wounded warriors. And in order to deal with that shock effect, which releases a number of negative emotions, I call excess emotional baggage. I recommend different ways of dealing with them, such as um, fear, despair, um, these kinds of things. Uh, We can deal with them. Once we get the negative emotions under control, then we work on healthy life habits because that gives you now the physical energy plus the psychological energy you had before from dealing with the mental issues to go on to uh, increasing your spirituality. Now, I have to mention that spirituality comes in two flavors, religious and secular. So if someone gets a little excited at the mm-hmm. word religious, they can deal, use the secular. So that's the transition that I uh, recommend for people to become uh, War, you know, wounded warriors in chronic illness. What people, many people do not realize, Richard, I, I'm sure you do, is that grief sets in when you hear about a chronic illness that someone has that, that you're close to. Uh, grief can be found at any time in one's life. It's just not left to the very departing of a loved one. You've, you've, grief can be found when you move. Grief can be found when you change your job. Grief, uh, grief can be found at any point in your life where there is an unsuspected, unanticipated negative event in your life. And, and as, a, as a pastor, as a chaplain, do you deal with 
the day-to-day grief that people will encounter as they find out about a chronic illness that is part of their family now? Yes. As the patient goes, it's a very different kind of grief Mm -hmm. because the person you're grieving for is yourself. And that's much harder than if you're dealing with someone, uh, your loved one, a spouse, uh, whatever, Mm -hmm. a good friend. And that kind of grief uh, has to be, I use a... um, I use an acronym, SARA, S-A-R-A, to deal with patients. And I find that uh, this can be very helpful. Uh, the four stages, the S stands for shock. How could it happen? Yeah. I live a good life. I eat properly. You know, I do all the things they tell me to do. How could I possibly get cancer or whatever it is? And then comes the second letter, A, anger. Yeah. I'm so mad. And for those who are religious, this is the time when they get mad at God. Um, and they say, God didn't do it. I tell them, God is not Santa Claus. Because you're a good boy, a good girl, he doesn't come down and give you a gift and get rid of your illness. Mm-hmm. God is there for a relationship. Then the R is the resistance or the denial. I'm just, not, I'm just going to stay here angry. I'm going to, but if we can get past that into acceptance, and grief is a matter, it doesn't go away. It's something you accept, like with our first grandchild who died at four months. We accept it. It's happened. And we move on beyond it. We don't forget our grandchild, but we move on beyond it. So Sarah is a technique I've developed that works uh, with patients who are in grief, uh, whatever the grief is, Mm -hmm. but especially for those in the chronic illness. We talked briefly about the coming years within the healthcare system. What is the impact of Obamacare on the treatment of chronic illnesses, Richard? Well, right now the system is designed for acute illnesses, something that can be cured, mm-hmm. uh, usually infections, a broken bone. And this was the great challenge of the 20th century, and then penicillin and antibiotics came along. And that you know, really helped take care of acute illnesses. But with, uh, by 2030, half the American population will have a, at least one chronic illness. This is an issue that people need to deal with and recognizing there really aren't going to be enough resources if you spread them out evenly. So if you're a patient, you want to be a good patient, know how to handle your disease. And I use a process called Stop, Look, and Listen. Um, And that helps the patient get into a position of being able to really use the resources available. Is it reasonable then, Richard, to expect patients to take responsibility for their own health? Well, we, I find if I present it to them in this format, I tell them, look, you're on a ship, mm-hmm. and you're the captain. So you decide where the ship's going to go, but the uh, crew is going to make sure you get there. That's what my lot, stop, look, and listen is. Stop, calm down, take a deep breath. Look is to find out where you are in the disease process. Learn as much as you can, especially the medical jargon. You know, how often have we walked in, and after you come out and say, what did the doctor say? Because we don't understand the yeah. jargon they're using. And all of us in medicine use jargon. So you, it's up to the patient to learn the language. And if then, you can communicate. And the final thing is, it takes a virtual mm-hmm. army to support a single chronic ill patient. An army, doctors, nurses, uh, OTs, PTs, you, you name it. There's a lot of people out there. But all of them, this is the big point I put, is that all of them are your advisors. You're the decision maker. That's right, and a lot of people seem to forget that they are in control. It's not the doctor who's in control. They are in control. Why is it then 
that we see people giving up control so freely, whether it's in medical care, by not asking the right questions, by not finding out what is really happening. And we see the same thing in politics. You know, people just give away their control. And by giving away their control, I mean they just don't want to participate. They don't want to get involved. Is this something that you see all the time? I think it's uh, kind of inbred in all of us, the fear of change. We all want to think that Hmm. what our past life is is stable and the new life isn't. But the truth is every day is different. Whether you have an illness or not, every day is different. We are a different person each day. So I try to get patients to look at living in the present. Yesterday's gone. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Take advantage of today. How important is spirituality when it comes to uh, chronic illness? Well, I think of it as three layers. The outer layer is the negative emotions. We Mm -hmm. have to deal with those first because that kind of calms the brain down. We do, then we deal with the health issues. You have to be as healthy as possible by sleeping well, exercise. You know, the usual things all of us learn in the fifth grade. Then when the patient is calm and peaceful, we can deal with spirituality. Because spirituality is a way of thinking and living that helps focus your available energy on deciding what is most important to you in your life and trying to achieve the goals based on your values. It isn't about, mm-hmm. uh, you're not competing with anyone else. So you don't have to worry about being first. The idea is running the good race, and that comes from spirituality. We talked briefly about the, the health care storm. How can we survive as, as a nation? How can we survive that perfect health care storm that's imminent? Well, I think that the resources are going to be spread much thinner, and every patient mm-hmm. has to be prepared to understand that they're going to make decisions about what they want, so they have to learn about their illness, they have to learn how to communicate. One of the most important things in that virtual army of support is a caregiver. Your caregiver should go with you to every doctor's visit. You should write your questions down and make sure the doctor answers them. If you don't understand, you say, I don't understand. It's very important, those few moments, what do they give you, 15, 20, sometimes very fortunately 30 minutes with a patient? Wow, that's a lot these days, yeah. Yeah, but they only see the patient every three months, Mm -hmm. you know, and so much so. And also the other thing I suggest to, uh, at home as a caregiver, keep a note, keep a a daily note, which we do for for my wife. Any significant changes, anything happens, write it down. And then you can bring the notebook with it and you say, here, doctor, here's what's happened in the last day. Exactly, and I know I know that a lot of caregivers who, who deal with chronic, uh, chronic uh, patients uh, have these these reports that are filled out all the time, and that a copy of the report remains in the house in a binder, so that if there is any problems, not only does the nurse or the caregiver who's replacing the other caregiver, the all the information is there and is available to any emergency medical staff that is required, as well as the attending physicians. And when they do that, that's wonderful, yeah. just wonderful. What was the hardest part for you as an author and a chaplain and a caregiver in writing your book? I think the hardest part is to be sure that what I'm seeing is practical. And from a practical healthcare standpoint, practical from a 
taking care of mental issues mm-hmm. and practical in helping a person seeing that spirituality is available to absolutely every single person. What was your hardest chapter? Hardest chapter was probably the one on making sure I got the really define the emotions correctly. I'm a neurophysiologist, mm-hmm. uh, and my specialty is, uh, you know, neurophysiologists are professors. We try to teach the medical nursing students what is the normal function of the nervous system. Now, so being a scientist, I want to be sure absolutely that when I talk about self-help or fear, that everything is really practical. I have worksheets on uh, how to get calm, how to deal with fear, and to deal with each of these emotions, despair, uh, steps to define despair, uh, anger, these things. I wanted to be absolutely sure what I was saying was correct. For instance, the difference between shame Mm -hmm. and guilt. (laughs) I had to be absolutely sure that I was on solid ground, and I had some wonderful people I could do uh, chats with, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, would sit around the table and talk about that. I want to be sure I was giving people very good information. In a society where stress is plays such a big part on everyone's life, how does anyone deal who is already stressed to the max and then out of the clear blue sky they now have an extra stress factor on them based on a member of their family or themselves dealing with a chronic illness? How do they cope? Well, I, I talk about how, how you can take control of shock, stress, and grief. Mm-hmm. And shock has uh, very specific characteristics, and I'm able to show you use some very baseline techniques to deal with immediate stress and how to deal with long-term stress. And the, question, the point is that um, I'm kind of like a first-line, first responder in mm-hmm. stress, and if I see someone is, is beyond this, then you want to refer them on to, you know, professional, additional professional help. But I give ways that can immediately, and I teach this, I'm teaching this at Bellevue again um, later this month, um, how to reduce stress immediately so you kind of calm down and say, oh, de- dealing with, so what is it that's really stressing me out, and then we can deal with it. So I give short-term immediate stress factors, give some suggestions for long-term stress, and if you need help beyond that, and you know you you will see that the book says you should go beyond uh, what we're offering here. It's not a it's not a all things for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's trying to help each person be an individual. How do you convince someone that change is good? Uh, it's depending on. Sometimes you can't, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But quite often, if you sit there and say, "Look, well, this is where we are," and why I recognize that you like what it was when you were a teenager, and there's every exciting, but this, if you really want to live a good life with your chronic illness, this is how we're going to deal with it. You are changing. Uh, doctors will come in with different protocols, try something. You have to be open to it. And, you know, after a while, it gets pretty hard. But if you have a caregiver and friends and a doctor who recognizes that you're trying, mm-hmm. it can be done. So, so I guess that one of the key factors in a, in a chronic illness and dealing with a chronic illness is a fast is a strong support system. Yes, especially if the patient recognizes mm-hmm. and is depressed about social isolation. Yeah. I devote a whole chapter about how to get out of that 
very, very practical ways of getting out. You can do it even when you're in the middle of the desert, as long as you have a phone or you have a, you know, a satellite phone or something. You can overcome that social isolation. Richard, you and I have to take our final break. Please stand by. Exonation. Richard Chu is our very special guest. That's C-H-E-U, Richard Chu. And he's the author of Living Well with Chronic Illness, A Practical and Spiritual Guide. His website, www.chroniclivingwell.com. And his book is available at Amazon.com and fine bookstores everywhere. I'll be back on the other side of this uh, commercial break as we hear from words from our fine sponsors here in the X-Zone from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. If I had to live without you, what kind of life would that be? Oh, now I need you in my arms, need you to hold. You're my world, my heart, my soul. If you ever leave, baby, you would take away Exonation, my guest this hour is Richard Chu, and he's the author of Living Well with Chronic Illness, a Practical and Spiritual Guide. His website is www.chroniclivingwell.com, and his book is available on Amazon.com and in fine bookstores everywhere. Some of the uh, praise for living well with chronic illness comes from, uh, let me see, uh, Dr. Ahmed uh, who is the Department of Psychiatry, New York School of Medicine. He is Scott LaRue, the president and CEO of ArchCare. Monsignor William Belford, vicar of clergy for the Archdiocese of New York. Reverend Paul A. Metzler, director, community education and spiritual care coordinator, visiting nurse and uh, nurse service of New York. And uh, other, other people in the industry who appreciate what this book is doing and how it will help. All you have to do is get a copy at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble, any of the finer bookstores. Once again, my guest is Richard Chu, and that's C-H-E-U. He's the author of Living Well with Chronic Illness, A Practical and Spiritual Guide. First of all, Richard, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. And um, for those who haven't said it to you or had the opportunity to... Thank you for this book. Oh, you're quite welcome. It's um, my opportunity to reach out to the 133 million chronically ill people in the United States and more in Canada. Uh, I can only reach a few hundred a year. Uh, I'm trying to share with them what has worked uh, in, in my years as a uh, counselor, uh, bringing both the medical side and you know the uh, uh, counseling as a hospice care, palliative care. 
um, it's very important for the patient to know they can do the things that are in the book. And and it's also, I would imagine, very important for the patient to know that they're not alone. Yes. Social isolation is a big, big problem mm-hmm. with uh, chronically ill patients. They can overcome that, and there are specific directions, practical, mm-hmm. simple little things they can do to uh, re-socialize. Richard, we've got about 40, uh, we've got, how much, Craig, about a minute left. What is the number one thing or the number one message you want readers to to find within your book? I think the important thing is that the book is trying to help the patient to achieve a calm mind and a peaceful heart. And this is by dealing with the mental, physical, and uh, spiritual aspects. Richard, this hour has gone by so fast. Once again, my many thanks for, number one, being on the show, and number two, for writing a book that will help so many people. Until the next time we meet here in the X-Zone, thank you very much, and I look forward to that next time. All right, Richard Chu has been my guest this hour, X-Zone Nation. www.chroniclivingwell.com is his website. And the name of his book? Are you ready? Living Well with Chronic Illness, a Practical and Spiritual Guide. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035 is our toll-free number. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And I'd like to send out a special thank you to Isabel Michon for helping make this interview possible. I'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. <laughs>